0: Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magicians Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Successful Mentalist podcast. This is episode 12 and my name is Aidan O'Sullivan. I'm one of your co-hosts joined by my good friend, Ashley Green. Hello there perfect uh this episode is a fantastic episode because again much like episode eight we are not here to teach you the tips the tricks the skills the strategies and the tools that you need to improve and grow your performances and and mentalism business instead we're handing that power over to a special guest
1: so yeah we're um handing today over to an incredible performer and this is someone who both myself and Aidan watched their online show right at the beginning of the uk lockdown and the production value they put into it was insane i mean you're going to hear the the story of how they rented out over a thousand seat theater just to do an online show can you think of any performer in the world at the moment who has rented a massive theater just for online shows absolutely incredible Uh, some of the knowledge and, and the deeper provoking thoughts that go into this episode are are worth their weight in gold. So I honestly can't wait to to share today's interview with all of you.
0: Yeah, it's genuinely an incredible episode. It was perhaps one of my favourites of all of the episodes that we've recorded. Um, So I know you're going to get a lot out of this. So episode 12 of the Successful Mentalist podcast, you are joined by none other than the legendary Caroline Raven hey everybody we are here today with a fantastic guest um we're just going to jump straight in because you've heard all of the plugs uh we are joined with the incredibly talented caroline raven hey caroline how are you
2: hi i'm good how are you uh
0: yeah very good it's honestly an absolute pleasure to have you on um we was literally when we first started thinking of people that we wanted to to talk to we'd seen an awful lot of your stuff online and it would kind of just both have that same idea at the same time just we need to get Caroline on so uh, yeah. <laughs> glad, glad you're here. Well thank you uh, for having me. Just, just something that Ashley actually told me this morning that I was unaware of uh, at this point you've done three TED talks Thanks I mean I, I, I knew about that but you've got a fourth in the pipeline is that correct?
2: Yes I was going to do one in September but you know then corona happened and things got changed yeah. around.
0: That's, uh, yeah, I actually didn't know that until I actually said this morning. So, uh, it's incredible. There's like, obviously, there's
1: so few people that have done a TED talk, let alone, basically nearly four now, which is insane. How do you cope with that pressure of like having like something like that going on?
2: Uh, I'm a very much like a yes person. So whenever someone is throwing something at me, I always go, yes. And then I just hope for the best um and most of the times when you do like a ted talk or anything like of that scale it's it's not just you it's there's an entire team of people like consultants and script writers and everything like that so you kind of have that safety net of they want it to be a great show and a great performance so you're never standing there alone i guess
0: that's that's, great. that's crazy <laughs> <laughs>
1: No that's that's awesome. It's um it's something that we wanted to ask because there's a lot of people that watch our podcast that are new to doing stuff on stage and they always ask about like um how to cope with pressure and that. And to be honest that probably links us to our next thing which we wanted to talk about and like we mentioned when obviously we was off air a second ago your online show. Both me and Aiden watched that and it was incredible. Like we mentioned off air you rented out a theater to do an online show in and i've not seen anything like that like even from the intro just going through it it was so like the production value and that's what we kept talking about like afterwards like the level of like work you and the team put into it was Mm -hmm. just insane what what led you to doing that
2: Uh, some stupidity some like (laughs) greed I guess and just a lot of people saying yes let's do this Uh, I mean the show is called where the magic happens and it was a show that I was touring with back in 2018 and uh, it was a Swedish show it was approximately 80 minutes and and then the opportunity just kind of presented itself to me and and uh, I was asked do you want to do a live show and I said yes and at the time, I didn't really think too much about it. I, I was never thinking that we were going to rent like a 1,120 seat theater because <laughs> it was huge. And I walk in there, it's like it's like one of the well, I work those venues all the time. But I walk in there and I think to myself, there's like cameras everywhere and there's going to be 11 people in the audience. It, it was so strange. And I knew like six out of these 11 people. And performing for friends is scary and then you have your six friends and like six more people but it wasn't really but you know half of them you know like personally the the guy that comes up for the first trick and stands on the on like the very end on the stage, that's actually my boyfriend that I live with. And I was gonna, I was gonna, he was gonna pick a card. And I was like, no, I don't trust you as much. So he got to like pick a card like that and, and uh And everyone who saw that, who knows me, they were like, oh my God, you did that to Andreas. How did you do that? And uh, I mean, it's when when you get that opportunity, just say yes and just do it. And I was just looking through, today actually, I was looking through the material and, and a lot of people who watched this show, they were just like you guys. The production value was amazing and all of that. But we got 13 minutes and 10 seconds of rehearsal. Oh,
1: that's yes. insane.
2: That is insane. And I have the entire thing filmed, like the entire, um, the, the, the entire rehearsal. It's in Swedish. So I've been thinking that maybe I'm gonna have someone put subtitles on it and just put it up on YouTube, like with a like code that you need a code to access it or something. Uh, because it is very stressful to put up something like that and have it be uh, as good as it was. And I think that I have so many other people to thank for this, for it being that good. I mean, we both have the tour that I did. I have the experience from that. And also Kyle and Misty Knight, who are my... well, um, uh, Misty is one of my agents. And she has helped me so much with my cruising career and, you know, riding the cue sheets and knowing what to do with lights and sound and smoke. I owe that all to her. And, and she wasn't even part of this production. And it's, it's so nice to be able to have all of these experiences and just bring it all together because you kind of need to have is so many legs to stand on to do something like this, especially in such short amount of time. I think we booked the theater 10 days in advance. So everything was like very, very last minute. And I asked my friend, Charlie Caper, if we had the time to come in and direct the show. And he was like, yeah, I have one day. And so he came in for one day and rest just, you know, it just happened and it turned out to be a great show. And I had a very lovely time.
0: Awesome. That's crazy. I don't think now I I've kind of got a little bit of a reputation amongst the the people that I work with what well, my shows are just, just friends and and things that we usually put that together. I've kind of got a reputation for leaving things to the last minute. Um but I wouldn't say to that sort of degree. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that instantly blows that out of the water. Like that 13 minutes of rehearsals, what if you don't mind me asking, what did that like consist of? Was that you running through sort of the material was that more those cues was that or just
2: it was mainly the lights and sound cues uh and the reason for it being such a short amount of time is because uh in sweden we have this thing where uh, well because of the virus we have this thing where people can get the same amount of salary or like slightly less uh, and they don't have to work as much because the government is covering part of their paycheck So they have to maintain those hours that they're allowed to work. So they couldn't work for five hours or two hours extra that day that I wanted as a rehearsal. Uh, So that's why we had to do it that way. So I had to be very precise and I had to print everything out. And I was very clear, like, you did this, you did this, you did this. I was like a dictator. Uh, But I I think people would get a laugh out of watching it, actually. You can hear me at at the start of the rehearsal. I go, why have we not started yet? (laughs) (laughs) And my, and my agent is like, calm down, Caroline, calm down. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's my name on the door, and people want to watch it. And uh, I, I need to make sure that the production is good enough to you know, have my name on and all of that. So, yeah, it's, it was very stressful, and we, we did it. And I'm very glad we did, because now we have this video. Uh, and you guys saw it. The video quality is amazing. But unfortunately, the, the sound person... Uh, he did something wrong with the sound, so they, they couldn't record the sound after. So it it was never recorded. So the idea was to have it recorded and added it on top of the video afterwards because we wanted to sell it to a TV station. But now we can't do that because of the crappy sound. So so I guess I'm going to have to do it again.
0: <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's unheard of in and of itself. Like, let's do an entire theater show in a, in a situation where we can't have anybody in the audience. Oh, let's do it again. Let's do <laughs> <laughs> wow
1: that's that's insane just like i it, like like we said like off air we can't think of anyone that's just done that like as has put themselves in a situation and, and just rented out the theater it's it's literally just like I, i'm mind blown and me and agent are, are going on a tour um when theaters reopen but with that obviously we're gonna put time in for rehearsals so being able to do it in just like such a short amount of time and and the you know the end product like it was it was really good when we were watching it live it was like insane Mm. the way like everything was just timed to the music the lighting it was incredible like are there do you think that is the most important thing for people like if we have listeners wanting to do shows and that get a good team around you What, what would you say is like the one most important thing for it
2: Oh, the team, 100% the team. I mean, I wouldn't worry too much about the show. I would worry more about how everything is going to look at the end. I mean, you still have to have a good show to be able to do it, but uh, make sure you have a good lighting guy and sound guy and camera team. So the camera team that I was working with, they are used to doing live TV. So they had all the like, TV quality production stuff with them, like cameras. And you know, there was a guy in the back who was like, he was really funny too. I can't remember his name. You, Gunnar was his name. Uh, and I was talking to him during the show. I said a joke and I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah. it was uh, during Celebrity Smart Ass, and we were going through the cards and I said something, oh, so it's not good now or something like that and he, I can hear him laughing on the side, <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh, so yeah, get a, get a really good team around you and you can basically do anything that you want. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have an agent that I work so close with and she knows basically everyone. So, uh, and that's also how I ended up doing that first TED Talk. So, it's it's all about being with the right people and just saying yes to the opportunities. Because if, if you are working with the right people, they want you to succeed, right? So, they're going to help you in any way that they can. So, that's that's my number one advice. Make sure you have the right people around you. And, uh, and that, well, if you do, everything is just going to be so much easier.
0: Is there a, a certain, are there certain things that you look for in the right people or is it is it just these people just seem to appear and they just they just have to like me
2: very much no
0: (laughs) okay I suppose that works (laughs) Uh,
2: no it's I'm looking for people who are better than me on things that I don't know what I'm doing with like with the sound I have no idea what I'm doing so of course I wanted someone who has many many years of experience working with a magician on a big stage like that so the guy I, I ended up working with he has been working with a guy named Yuan Stoll, who I'm, you might have heard of him. He has a DVD out called Sleeveless Sleeving. And I'm thinking that he should put out a second DVD with me with the Sleepless Cleaving. No, <laughs> <laughs> I am mean, thinking that could be fun, but no, he said no. So I'm still working on it. Uh, but, but you need people th- that has more experience than you. Uh, and uh, And also think that it's fun. Because I mean, at this point, I did not have all the money to rent like these people, like hire them. So uh, the city actually ended up sponsoring me with the theater and with the people inside the theater. And I got a sponsor who paid for the camera team. And we're talking about a camera team that costs like 6,000 euros to rent for one day. And I mean, I didn't have to pay for anything. I mean, I did pay for Charlie Capers time for being the director and I paid for all the props and my agent and, you know, all of that. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about having the right people around you and making sure that we want to bring this together because, as you said, people have not done this before and they wanted to be part of something that is well his, historical in one way, but also helping out being being a female magician like helping levitate the female magicians of the world. So, and I never want to play the female magician card, you know, because I, I really don't like that. I mean, I just want to be a magician, but then sometimes you gotta you, know, you gotta play that card because uh, it helps and you know here i am
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's great i think what you're what you're doing for it. um a friend of ours uh, bella um has just got into um doing stuff online and um, and she's rapidly growing um her stuff and um we we were talking about it and i think it is because like there's it's weird that there's so few like actually female magicians in magic it's like you go to a magic convention it's like so male dominated yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh, uh, we just don't understand it. What, why do you think it is, out of curiosity?
2: I think there are a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them is probably because we don't have that many female magicians or female like artists who are like idols to us, I guess. Uh, I mean, we have Juliana Chen. She's absolutely amazing, but she hasn't been along like that long. Was it like in 93 or something she won FISM? Uh, And then we don't really have that many others. There's one woman who has her own theater show in Vegas, and I believe that she's the only one, Jen Kramer. Uh, And we don't see it. I mean, we saw the movie Now You See Me. We have that woman as part of the Horseman or whatever it was called. And she was exchanged to the other movie, like the second movie. So we don't really value the female magicians that we have. So I see that's part of the problem. But another problem is that when you go to a magic club or to a magic convention, there's a lot of sexism and there's a lot of, you know, here is my half naked woman who is my assistant. And this is what you're supposed to do if you want to be in the industry. So and and also I was doing this like like the next day after I was doing where the magic happens. I was doing an interview with a guy uh, from a German magazine. Um, It was a magic magazine and he saw the show. And he really liked it a lot and he said that uh it, w- it was interesting how i was so inspired by rob Sabreki. and i said oh that's interesting because rob Sabrecki was you know inspired by my mentor tom stone who just happens to live in my city and who has been my mentor for six and a half years and i know all of his stuff and he helped wrote this show and, uh, and he, was, he was very like fixated about this idea that Tom Stone wrote the show and he wrote the entire program and all of that. And I was like, no, 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 I did everything myself. I did the cue sheets, I did everything, and you know all of that because of the experience that I have. Uh, and when I was reading the article, well, I had a friend who, who wrote it, well, like, she read it for me and like translated it because it was in German. And she said, it's so strange how he, he says that everything was because of like, this other man, like Tom Stone, and it also says that uh i mean i had a good personality and it was a good show but it didn't have a red thread and it was such a shame that i was so manly and i'm like why am i manly it's because i'm wearing pants (laughs) i've never considered myself a manly person (laughs) so it's uh i don't know it's it's very strange and it's and i see this every time i go to a magic convention it's it's always like you're supposed to be like this or wear this or do these and that that trick and uh, it's it's a very interesting world to get into as a woman, and if you're not like strong enough, or if you don't like stand your ground, it's very easy to be pushed down in a way where you feel like you have to take your shirt off, I guess, to be an assistant or whatever, because that's the tradition. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm very fortunate. I was I was grown up in a beautiful family here in Sweden with two boys and two girls, and my dad and a mom, and they all raised us equally. I I mean I, I could play with Barbies if I wanted to. But I also had like my action man and I had my cars and I had like one of those carpets that you take your cars and you drive around. Uh, that was that was my childhood and my dad never made any like judgments if I wanted to do something boyish or girlish. So when I grew up into this industry, I, I was kind of surprised when I go to the magic conventions and see that I am supposed to be put in, in like in a separate like uh, I'm supposed to be on like a girls night if I'm supposed to be someone who is performing and it just never It, it never really uh, Occurred to me as a as the right thing, you, you know, so it's maybe that's part of it it's, We've gone we kind of don't feel like we're welcomed uh, so many times and sometimes I go to magic conventions And they decide to have a special program for the women, but we just want to be part of the convention <laughs> I mean, It's uh, its very strange. So I think there are, there are a lot of different reasons, but those are probably the main ones. Well, that's what I see at least.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating to hear. I'm doing a lot of sort of research into the like the public's perception of magic at the minute. It's something I've been fascinated with for uh, for years now. And the, having spoken to some people about uh, what what do you think about like the female magicians and the, and everybody kind of th- it seems to be more of that idea of as you're saying like the more assistant kind of approach to to being a magician in that nature. Mm. So is, do you think there's anything that us as a community can start doing obviously there's that level of sort of inclusion just on a normal level like what should be expected. Is there any other things that we can actually actively do to to sort of level this out a little bit more maybe?
2: Yeah, I think we should stop doing like women's nights at magic conventions. And if we want to do a women's night, make sure you plan it way in advance. So the people who are actually like good enough to be able to be part of the show, because most of the times when they do like a women's night on a magic convention, they it's a very last minute thing. And, and I mean, me and the other women who are like killing it out there, we don't have time when they try to book us one month in advance. So they end up bringing out women who are probably not like ready for it. I'm not saying they're bad, particularly, it's more like they're not ready for that type of uh, performance. And that's how we display women being bad magicians. So I'm guessing that's that's one thing that I think we should stop like right away Uh, and if we want to do a women's night uh, let's do it right let's bring out the a-game that's what i think and i'm not sure that i would be part of the a-game i mean i'm I'm, (laughs) i mean i would love to but i'm not sure that i am because i mean we have laura london she's absolutely amazing we have faye presto we have jen kramer and there's so many other women who should be more displayed than they than they are and I'm very like thankful and happy to be in this position where people like look up to me and they think that I'm doing a great job. And uh, but there are so many other women out there who needs to be like lifted up because they are doing amazing jobs. Like whoever, uh, who was that woman? Um, she is she is um she's from the UK. She has a very funny name. Uh, oh, um, Jazz Vegas. Isn't that her? Oh name? yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: She was on that TV show uh with the magicians. I can't remember the name uh, of the
1: show. Killer Magic.
2: Killer Magic. I saw uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting because she was very much portrayed like the woman who is weird and crazy. And maybe she is. I've never met her. But I kind of want a TV show like that to levitate the women more. Not saying that they're separate, but make sure that the value of what that person is bringing, it needs to be so high quality that it cannot be questioned because if it is, it's going to be. You know, it's, uh, uh, and and we don't want that. We want a community where women are feeling like they're safe and they're being well taken care of. But then again, it's it's like everything else, like uh, with racism and sexism and all of that. It kind of comes down to just being true to yourself, I guess, and having your very own uh, like sense of what's right. And I was I was as I told you, I was brought up in this family where. People are equal, no matter the color or the gender. Uh, so it all comes down to what you believe in. And if you don't think that women are worth the equal amount as men, maybe you have to take a good look at yourself in the mirror and maybe check what date it is. We're 2020. I mean, it's, we've, we're done with this talk. We should, be, we should be talking about other things. And I, I yeah. don't know what, but, you know, things. <laughs> that exactly. should make sense. Yeah.
1: Uh, people just need to grow up and just start treating people as people. That's, That's pretty what much doing. what they need to do. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, um, you mentioned a little while ago uh, about your agent. Yes. And obviously there are people watching and listening, like the people on YouTube and the people listening to this. How did you like get your agent? How did that come about? So
2: I have two agents. My main agent is Charlotte Dunhoff. So that's, um, she's been working with me for almost three years now. Uh, And then I have Misty Knight who who I've been working with for a year. So I met Charlotte when I was performing at a gig. Uh, three years ago soon it's moved three years ago and she wanted to leave the party because she doesn't like magicians she still doesn't like magicians so she was like oh no and I'm, I'm not a magician I'm gonna head out and and so this guy Robin he says you know what Charlotte you're actually gonna like this woman and she's like oh it's it's a lady magician hmm, okay I'll stay and see what she's all about and so she, she stays and she watches and I have a heckler in the show like, and he is so annoying and I'm just like putting him down uh, and she comes up to me afterwards and I had no idea that she was there. And I mean, she's kind of a big shot over here. She's working with like the best people and uh, and she's my age as well. She just turned 30, just like me. And um, so she's like super tiny and like blonde and super cute. And, and she comes up to me and she's like, hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm an agent. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> do you want it stirred and not shaken or <laughs> whatever? You know, I'm, I'm thinking like weird things and I'm not taking it seriously. And she said, Oh, I would like to represent you. And at this point, I'm doing everything myself. Like I'm booking everything, I'm doing my website, and you know, all of everything that you need to be doing. Um, so I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll come for a coffee with you. And and I went there for one coffee. We took another one a couple of weeks later, and then a third one. And then she was like, So have you decided yet? And I was like, Decided what? That that you want to work with me? And I was like, What? Uh no, I don't know. I don't know. It's because it was so strange. Like someone else should have. You know that the power of my company that's what I felt like that they they take over my clients and they they take part of my money and you know all of that uh, but then I was like okay yes I'm gonna try so I gave her everything like the password to my computer to my not the computer but to my email accounts and uh, she got like my entire contact list and and the first year she increased my income by 400% uh, and yeah, and, and that was amazing. And and just being able to work with someone who believes in you so much, it was very interesting. And it, Like every everything that I wanted to do, and she always puts it like this, like, Caroline, you have so many small ideas and you have big ideas and you take the ideas and you turn them into balls and then you toss everything up in the air and you close your eyes and you hope that I catch at least one of them. And that really is what it is like working with an agent. You just sh- share all your ideas with that person and she, or in my case, it's a she, uh, she will bring out the best parts of that and make it into a reality. Like the show that I did, the tour that I did, my TED Talks, redoing my website,
1: doing YouTube.
2: All of that is because of working with someone who believes in me.
1: Uh, and I, so I is, guess... that's uh-huh. So is that how you've managed to, would you say, grow your uh, social media presence through the help of your agent or...
2: No, she she wanted me to start YouTube. Uh, but I'm growing the most on Instagram. I'm currently at 39.9 thousand, I think, uh, which is great. I, I was up at 40 last week, but then I shared a photo of my boyfriend and then, you know, everything just drops down. <laughs> uh, so I, I need to put up like a bikini photo soon, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's how it works. No, I've been working on my social media for about five years now on my um, Raven Magic one on Instagram, Uh, and I think I'm growing quite a lot because of the cards. I have my own line of playing cards called Raven Playing Cards. We're currently working on Raven Four, which is coming quite soon. Um, So I think that's where it, it really like took off, where people were seeing that oh, there's this woman, she's doing this, and she's also a magician. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and also because of you know consistently throwing out things I'm trying to put out at least one thing a day Uh, but it's hard sometimes you're kind of feeling like you don't have any motivation and you don't have any inspiration uh, but it really makes everything easier when there is the stories part as well i think because at first i was like oh this doesn't fit in my it doesn't fit in my uh, feed and then i didn't post it but now i can just put it up on my story instead and i don't have to pay as much attention well i would never say that i pay attention to my feed anyways because I, it's it looks weird but and i don't use any presets or anything i just try to share something of value like yesterday i posted a photo where i asked uh, cake or pie and I think I got like sixty responses or something. And, and it's very simple. Like ask something that will that would get like a like an instant reaction in people. Like I think most people said cake, but I'm more of a pie person.
0: Uh, me so, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I went with pie.
2: You did? Yeah. Just yeah, I
0: did. I did I threw that out there. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, obviously you mentioned your your YouTube. What sort of content is it that you're you're putting out there and so, of what made you pick that content over well anything else really is there a specific sort of approach that you decided to take with it or is it just oh, i need to be on youtube here's stuff
2: yes it's a very good question because i'm currently reworking my youtube uh, i don't really know what i want to do it, it all started well, years ago, really. I just put up like one thing a year or something. Uh, and I wasn't planning on making any money off of YouTube at all. So, but then in December 2017, uh, was it 18? In December 2018, I was sitting to myself and I was thinking, okay, what do I want to do with next year? And uh, I was just looking around in my room and I have this collection of playing cards at home. It's probably like 500 decks in my apartment. And I was thinking I have so many why don't I give them away and then I decided maybe I should do like a review so I so I reviewed a deck every Friday so i review a new deck and then I was giving it away. So last year I ended up spending so much money on shipping <laughs> uh, like so much money on shipping and just giving away cards that I've spent so much money on as uh, so I decided to not do that this year because it was too expensive. Um, so, so now I'm also doing the reviews, but you have to be part of my Patreon family to be able to be entered into the giveaway. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that the um, the views are going down from that, and I don't get as much engagement as I did before. Uh, but it's, I, I love playing cards. I've always loved playing cards. So for me, it's it's fun to be able to give that every week. And I was I was doing a gig last Friday in front of real people. Weird, but it was in front of real people. <laughs> Uh, and they gave me a deck at the end of the show and uh, and I told them that I would review it for them and they were like what and so we talked about it after the show and uh, and it's it's for the city of Stockholm so it's quite a big company and well organization I guess so I'm going to do a review in Swedish and put it up on my YouTube and tag them on LinkedIn and stuff like that and they're going to see it so that's how I try to do everything like if I if I'm reviewing something that I know, like a Patrick Kuhn did a deck, I make sure that I tag him and he will repost it. And maybe I'm doing something from I don't know, the verts, and they will tag me in something. And and, and same thing with Borderline Adam on Instagram. If you don't know him, you have to look him up. He's an amazing photographer. So whenever he is uh, whenever he's doing like photos for me, I make sure to post them like many, many times. And he's gonna repost them because we're fans of each other. Um, so that's basically how I try to run my YouTube that I try to find ways to inter- integrate it with other people and also making sure that it, I can actually fly with that on my Instagram as well um, but it's, it's like I'm, I'm running a business here it's it's um, I'm a very entrepreneurial person and I'm thinking that maybe I should do that too, like have some videos where I talk about how I run it and what it's like working with a, with a, an agent and working with a production team and and all of that because people are always curious, like what is it really like and and I have so many pointers and so many mistakes that I can talk about and but then again I have to sit down and do it so it's,
1: uh, yeah we'll see what would you, you, you don't guys think sorry oh, pardon sorry.
2: No, I was asking, like, if, if you were to go onto my YouTube and you're thinking, huh, who is this woman? What would you be interested in watching then? Would it be the business part of it? Would you like to see behind the scenes? Because, I mean, you're kind of in the industry as well. And I kind of want to give back something because I don't want to put down my time in doing something that the industry would not be interested in because it doesn't make sense.
1: Well, personally, I actually prefer watching the business side of things and looking how it runs. Um mainly because it's something I'm interested in myself. Like I enjoy magic, I enjoy mentalism, but I have like a big background in sales and I love like that whole entrepreneurial thing. Um, So for me personally, I love that. And I know a lot of our, um, our listeners from our podcast as well have that similar sort of thing. Like they always message us things like how to get gigs and like how to do the other stuff apart from the tricks and and it's it's weird because when we launched our podcast we wanted to uh talk not about the tricks but talk about the other stuff and and people seem to like really resonate with it and like constantly it's the same messages over how to book gigs how to get out there so maybe something like that would be
0: pretty useful
2: yeah
0: it's annoying because I was, I was literally gonna say the exact other other point i, I mean i i've got these plans to go and do a like stage show and then go on tour and stuff but so these behind the scenes things that you like you mentioned for like from my perspective anyway that that's invaluable because you could actually be able to see what other people are doing so at least there's some form of idea of what 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 does that consist of because i i Mm. i say it myself but i know an awful lot of other people would probably argue that they're not sure what goes on behind the scenes of a of a theater show they're not sure what goes on behind the scenes of 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 anything really so uh, yeah
1: there was um something else i wanted to mention as well um and it's because a lot of our audience are magicians uh, doing mentalism or just straight out mentalists and all they do is they go out and read minds i wanted to ask you obviously there's a lot of bad performances of mentalism and people do it in like a very boring and mundane way but then on the other side there's some good parts about it and it can be quite enjoyable so have you got like a, what do you like about mentalism and also what don't you like? Like what can people improve upon in the art?
2: Um, I don't really like when it's props that doesn't make any sense. Like uh, the stars and the waves and, you know, the circles. I'm like, no why, are we? Totally yeah. <laughs> yeah. why are we still doing that? I've never understood it. It's I've never understood it. and But I, I like it when people make it about something that's a reality like uh, I was at um, the session was it this year or maybe the year before and uh, Ben Seidman was performing and he was doing uh, with with those symbols he was doing that Uh, but it was different it was with uh, like a tarot deck and he was doing it with uh, Nicola Arcane who is also a female magician she lives in Ireland I think Um, also very good by the way no, but uh he was doing this reading on her, and it made sense because it was about her life and it was she was just she just got a divorce, and you know all of that came out from the cards, and everything just ended up laying together like it was perfect, and she was on the right path or whatever he framed it as and, and then it makes sense to me like uh but it doesn't make sense to me like, oh, think of a word in this book, and I'm like, yeah, well, there's so many words in that book. Uh, but I mean we have great tricks as well that is like that like a uh, wiki test is amazing like it's it, first time I saw it it blew my mind it was so good um, but I mean I've, I've never really understood like a full, full theater like a 90 minute mentalist show that is just like trick 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 because um, I'm more of a storytelling person myself um, I like it when it's something that uh, touches someone's hearts and minds and making it into uh, not really oh this is the word you're thinking of more like this is an emotion that we're creating in the room and it's the emotion should not only be wow how did you do that (laughs) i would like something more
1: yeah we um we recently done a um a lecture for a magic club called the boring mentalism lecture and it was talking about pretty much uh just that where people just do things with like esp symbols but it's like in a weird context it doesn't make sense for them and they're not linking it into maybe like the history or like you say like a a reading or something like that and it it just it's out of the blue and they're doing it because other people are doing it and it just doesn't fit their character and it's interesting just like was looking into the responses from what people were were coming back to us and saying that it's it's down to the performer themselves and they don't often think about the performance side of things so have you got tips that maybe uh, someone can do to like improve their performance skills
2: a lot of people say that you should go try improv theater and that's probably great for many people um, but I mean I have other working life experience I used to be a minister and uh, used to like preach in a church and it was great and um and so for me it kind of comes down to that experience like I, I know how to talk to people I know how to touch them and I know well that sounds weird uh, <laughs> but you know uh, and it's uh, it's that's a very me too thing to say isn't it no but uh, I'm, <laughs> I've, um, I've come to that experience where I feel like I know what to do like it, it, when you're a preacher you're supposed to have like uh, it's it's almost like making a movie, isn't it? Like you have the start and you have the middle and you have the end and you know what you want the people to feel and experience during this time. And I got that experience that I could bring into magic and bring into mentalism or whatever I wanted to do. Um, so I think don't just put all of your eggs into magic or mentalism. Try to have something else as well. Like if you're interested in film or music or theater or arts or cars or whatever it is make sure you bring that into you as well because that's going to make you a more interesting performer. So in my show I talk about that. Well in, in the normal where the magic happens, there is a part that is approximately like 12 or 13 minutes where I turn into like a preacher during the show and and I do this thing, you know, with um, it's called uh the bank something. Is it called blank night? From um John oh what's Archer. it John Archer. Yeah. I love John yeah. Archer. He's so funny. Uh, he's Brilliant. always drunk when he's around me. that's that's the only way he can stand me no it's not (laughs) no but he has this trick with like mine and yours and all of that so I changed it into bible quotes during the show and I ended up getting drink tickets in the end of the envelopes and I gave it away to someone and it is a really beautiful thing to do because people know that about me because I'm, you know, somewhat of a celebrity, not really, but like people know who I am yeah. and they know the story of me being a preacher before. So bring being able to bring that into the show, it makes sense and it makes them feel like I am a more human person, like I had a normal, well, I'm not sure they're preacher is a normal life, but, you know, it's... um It's a very, uh, I'm not just a magician, I'm something else as well. So that's what I'm saying. Try to find other interests and bring it into your life. Uh, And if you don't, just go out there and try to get that. Like watch a movie, read another book, do something you haven't done in a while, like go climbing, do whatever just get other inputs because it's going to make you more of a diverse artist. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's it's not that we're just going to go see a magic show. We want to go see that magician or that mentalist or that singer. Uh, especially now after this crisis is over, I think we're going to want to be close to the people that we look up to. And in our case, it's magicians and mentalists that are doing something that's different.
0: I mean, that makes complete sense. It's something that we're We've, we've, we've desperately tried ourselves. I mean, I know from a personal perspective, I'm looking a lot more now into into music and, and generally I'm just fascinated by m- music, movie soundtracks, all of that kind of stuff. So it kind of links back to, to watching your show again, like watching your show, the way that you had the music playing throughout and it just, everything fit in. That's something that I'm trying to look at like mm-hmm. from my own perspective. But besides, is it? would you say that there's any other specific points... It, of interest from you? I mean, obviously, you've spoken about your background, but would you say that there are other maybe experiences that you've had that have really forged like a, a real big input? I mean, obviously, you said you've worked with uh, the likes of Tom Stone and and you bought your other background, but are there any other things both in Magic or out that that have really left a mark, if you like, but not mark?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um... I mean, the entire show where the magic happens is surrounded around the story that like, it's, it's about me being the product of a magician grandfather, right? So that really had a huge impact on me and he died when I was little and then I ended up not doing magic for 15 years and then I came back. And I came back because I showed a card trick to Tom Stone and I had no idea who he was. And the trick was so bad <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was really, really bad and he just said, oh, I, I should teach you some magic tricks and he ended up giving me like a three-day workshop and it was great uh, and it always felt like he was just shaking his hands in front of his face and then something appeared like a lollipop or a DVD or, you know, anything. Uh, so that's something that really, that, that's two things, I guess. Well, having the grandfather who was a magician and also meeting certain people at certain times. Uh, had I met Tom Stone a year before, I had probably not become a magician because I had my my uh, my boss in the church, he was also a minister, he died of cancer, and I was kind of at this... You know when you're studying like uh, something that it it needs to be something that you have to believe in like you have Like if you're a cop or a nurse or a preacher or something like that And you kind of have this belief around it and for me it was if you work in the church You should be best friends with God and and then he ended up, you know dying my boss and For me it was like oh, okay, maybe God exists But if he does maybe he's not the kind of good person I guess that I wanted him to be so had I met Tom A year before all of this happened I would probably not be open to a different path in life Uh, and and Tom just saw me in in that small room of the magic bar in Stockholm and two months after meeting Tom I uh, I went to my well new boss I guess and I said I won't be here after summer I'm quitting my job to become a magician and he just said what (laughs) Uh, because he had no idea that I did magic at the time uh, but I quit my job and uh, I mean it's it's the scariest and the best thing I've ever done. It's If you have a dream of becoming a magician like full time, and this is like my highest recommendation, if you, first of all, read the book of Andy Gladwin that's called Going Pro. Mm-hmm, number one, that's what you do. And then number two, it, make sure you have enough money saved for at least three or four months and then quit your job and go full into a business point of view of being a magician. Uh, cause I mean, if I did not like go full pro, I don't think I could have ever done it because it's, I- I'm a very much all in person. Uh, cause, cause otherwise it doesn't make sense to me. Then I might as well just lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day or read a book about, you know, I'm currently reading this book. It's called uh, rich dad, poor dad. And I'm halfway through and I've read it for like a year because uh, it doesn't interest me in- enough for me to finish it. Um, but, but it's like that it's, If you have the opportunity and you want to do this full time, you have to just try it. And and most countries have the possibility of you being able to come back to your job, maybe take six months off and then come back if you have to. But just try to do it because it's the best job in the world. Like I get to travel everywhere, meet amazing people, do what I love, and I get paid doing it. And I have so much fun. So it's just do it you know, <laughs> so, just do it. That's my number one advice. <laughs> First, read the book, then do it.
1: Yeah. That's such a beautiful like, thing to say. And it is so true. And um, it's something that I've, I've personally done myself. I quit my full-time job and you mentioned a magic bar and I actually work now in a magic bar. Before. Well, not at the moment, obviously, because <laughs> they're, uh, they're shut in the UK, but, um, but yeah, and it, it is the best decision I ever made as well. Like, go there now feeling like a sense of accomplishment and it's enjoyable it's not a job it's like it's fun and it's every day practice. is different yeah. and unique it's, it's great but no it's, it's such a beautiful thing to say to pretty much wrap up um today's interview but i have one more um slightly interesting question for you um slightly different one and essentially it's this if you had to pick between two would you rather palm a human sized playing card or perform to a hundred playing playing-sized card humans
2: <laughs> the last one 100% the last one
1: <laughs> any particular reason why out of curiosity
2: cuz i have very small hands <laughs>
1: <laughs> what
0: did i say i said yeah. uh, what did i say <laughs> <laughs> easy answer i, I never Love
2: palm it. i never palm cards during a show yeah, is, there a, sure. is
0: there a reason for that is that or is I'm that just
2: sure. yeah i can't do it
0: no, that's fair enough that's yeah. i've got gi- giant hands so i don't i don't palm as many cards being being a mentalist uh we don't particularly do too much in the way of card magic but yeah it's that's fun um yeah just before we, we wrap up finally where where can our listeners or viewers or wherever people are finding this where can people find you i mean we've mentioned that you've got some projects with you obviously your your new edition of your playing cards. But but where can people find you?
2: Well, I have a website. It's uh, carolineraven.com. So that's carolineraven.com. Uh, it's actually a Danish name, Raven. It means Raven in Danish, and it's Korp in Swedish. So there you go. Language lesson of the day. And it's also a made-up name, actually. My real name is Nilsson, but don't tell anyone. So I hope you don't have too many listeners. Uh, <laughs> <so that's laughs> <make> <laughs> no, but uh, see, I'm there, and I'm also Caroline Raven on...